and uh, welcome to today's YBNB show. Those of you who follow, and there's quite a lot of you now, um, will know that we run this live three times a week. On Mondays, we talk about body. Um, on Wednesdays, we talk about mindset. On Fridays, we talk about business. And uh, I uh, often am lucky enough to have um, a guest who's uh, particularly knowledgeable about an area. And today we're talking about nutrition. And so I'm so, so happy to have uh, Clarissa Lenher um, on with us. Um, welcome, Clarissa. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be chatting on here and, and to be asked to be, you know, talking all things nutrition with you. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, those of you who, um, you can look Clarissa up later on. She's on Instagram, got a fantastic page. And I met Clarissa um, actually uh, talking about my own nutrition. And, uh, you know, I love, love it when um, I speak to people and they're quite clearly very knowledgeable. Clarissa is a registered nutritionist. Um, but also they can put things in layman's language, which means that those of us who need that, you know, we can we can still understand it. And I think many of us, you know, believe that we're healthy eaters, but it is nice to know the science uh, behind it as well. And um, you may know if you've been following me for some time that for the last uh, four and a half years since I started my own sort of transformation through weight training and became, you know, more and more uh, knowledge about, knowledgeable about nutrition, what I realize is not only does it have a massive impact on the way that you look, but also how you feel physically, but even more importantly, I believe mentally, and then that in turn uh, influences what you actually do with your life and the things, you know, how you deal with um, setbacks and how do you, how you push things forward. So hence uh, pulling together the, the Your Body Means Business program in 2018. So um, Clarissa has joined us to talk about nutrition. And um, to start off with Clarissa, I mean, you had a really uh, lovely uh, story about a career change. And one of the things that I did previously was to work very much with careers. And I um, always am a big advocate of people changing careers and doing lots of different things and following their passion, etc. You did just that, didn't you? So tell us a little bit about that. For sure. So, yeah. And look, I always tell others as well, you know, don't be scared of making the change. You're never too old or too far away from your goals or anything like that. I think it's so important to, to kind of speak out about that. So I think that's great. Um, so I graduated from Nottingham University in history and everyone asked me what I was gonna do. And they assumed I'd be a librarian or a teacher because that's what you do with history apparently. And I had no intention of doing that at all. And um, fell into doing marketing for property companies working in the city of London, internationally as well. And I noticed as, as much as I had a good skill set in that area, I noticed that I was quite unhappy. And I noticed that those around me were struggling with a lot of health concerns and you work hard, play hard, you get those kind of repercussions if you don't look after yourself. And um, and I was always talking to everyone about health, you know, saying, oh, I was spending my time reading all of these health books and watching webinars and things like that. And my husband said, look, you're unhappy. You don't feel fulfilled. Um, he was then my boyfriend, now husband. Mm -hmm. He'll like the fact that I referred to him here. Um, and, um, well, he also gave you some good advice. So he did, he did. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he said, you're, now, you're not too, you know, old. Because I was like, I'm far too old to go and restudy again. He said, you're absolutely not. Go and do it. You'll find a way to do it. You'll manage it. And I did. And I went and retrained part-time whilst working full-time. And it was definitely a commitment, but I will never change anything. To be honest, I wouldn't change any part of the, the course that I was on, because I think that that skill set from marketing and working in um, the corporate environment really shaped the way that I that I speak to individuals and help people and, and part of my business. So retrained and, um, and never looked back, really. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lovely story and, and so pleased to hear that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is about um, how you look back and you join the dots up afterwards and it leads you to where you are. And I know that you're saying that a lot of your business, I know you're based in Harley Street ordinarily. Um, and we had a, a Harley Street doctor on just the other day and he's done a, you know, a lot of advice on Zoom he gives now, like yourself. Um, so it's amazing how we can transition when we have to. Um, but also you said you were saying that a lot of the uh, a lot of your clientele is um, corporate and you spend a lot of time talking to people in a corporate environment about weirdly about sort of stress management and things like that. So one would think that, you know, how come, you know, you're, you're, you're a nutritionist and yet you're talking about stress management. So tell us, should we start a little bit with that? Because although this is the body day, we, we are interested in mindset and career as well. So it'd be really nice to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of the time people think that nutritionist, dietitian, nutritional therapist, however, you know, whatever qualification you've got, they think, oh, you're just talking about food. That's it, just food. And it's so much more than that, particularly if you're looking at holistic health, you know, you've got to look at sleep patterns, you've got to look at relationships, habits around food, stress management, self-care, um, your relationship with, with food and, and your body. Um, so stress is a massively important one. And for me, I, you know, I would say the majority of the clients I'm seeing in my practice, the majority have some form of stressor that is either a antecedent trigger or a mediator in, in what's going on in, in their sort of with their concern. So you can't kind of, in my practice anyway, you can't separate the two. You kind of have to work with them combined. And, and there's so much you can do through, through diet, nutrition, movements, exercise to help support your stress levels. And, and it can be detrimental in some respects and it can also be, have a really positive effect. So there's, there's lots, of, lots of ways that you can manage your stress through looking after your body with the food that you eat or don't eat. Yeah, what's well, a couple of um, tips in that area? You know, mm. to, if anyone is watching this manage, thinking about managing their stress, I mean, we'll go into a bit more detail, but just a couple of things at the top of your head that you first go to that we could easily implement yeah I think you know I think and this is a foundational tool doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve here but balancing your plates I know we kind of made a reference to it just before when we were chatting away but balancing your plates effectively in the right having the right macro groups so the larger food groups protein fats carbohydrates things like that being able to balance your plate means that you're balancing your energy intake a lot of diets are filled with refined carbohydrates so these tend to be white carbohydrates or free sugars sugars you know added into foods and unfortunately what that can do to our energy levels is send us on this kind of this yo-yo roller coaster you feel like you can you know run your 5k in the morning and 45 minutes later you're craving chocolate sweets as a coping mechanism to to get your energy back up from not having a proper breakfast for example mm -hmm. if our energy is on a yo-yo all day long this blood sugar roller coaster which we refer to it as your stress levels, your mood is gonna follow suit because you're peaking and you're troughing. And when you trough and kind of have that low dip of energy with all the willpower in the world, it's really unlikely that you're gonna go, you know what, I fancy some almonds or some steamed broccoli. <laughs> what you want is fast acting energy rich foods, which tend to be sugar, refined carbohydrates and caffeine, which are three of the kind of stress antagonists that you can um, kind of have in your diet so you don't want to be kind of picking up those foods going back on the blood sugar roller coaster and before you know you've had a really stressful day on top of everything else that goes on in modern day life mm, yeah. so absolutely trying to have you know I normally try to get people using their hands or, or visualizing a plate but quarter of your plate should be protein or 
at least for women, one palm of protein or a palm and a half for men. If you have a lot of high intensity exercise or weight training, your requirements will be higher and you should work with someone privately to do, to kind of work that out. But um, that's roughly the amount. Quarter of your plate as complex carbohydrates. So all of those kind of brown, uh, fiber rich carbohydrates to keep you really full. And I often ask people, I say, when was the last time that, half, that quarter of your plate was carbohydrates? And most people like, it's half mm -hmm. if not more um and then lots of colorful fruits and veg and a good sort of thumb size for women two thumbs for men of fat on the plate mm -hmm. that's really going to balance your energies uh, energy helps with weight management productivity mood so it's really really foundational so absolutely start there get your macro intake ratio correct and, and sort of balanced mm -hmm. as much as you can um be mindful of your caffeine you know, um, so when we consume anything with caffeine and we secrete cortisol and our stress hormones, so that's going to be detrimental to anyone who's suffering with sort of chronic stress levels, high stress levels. So we want to be sort of thinking about reducing that, and not relying on caffeine as our energy source. And 400 milligrams is the recommended maximum intake, which is about five espresso shots or eight cups of very light tea. So if you're above that, you know, if you're one of these people that's having four in the morning, you know, that's going to be detrimentally affecting your stress levels. So bring that back. Um, replace how, many espresso how many espresso shots did you say? Five. Really? What, per day or per week? Yeah, per day. Wow, that's, that's quite a lot. I know, that's the upper threshold. But yeah. you can remember, if you are someone that's very stressed, you're doing a lot of high-intensity exercise, you have a stressful um, work and also home balance, anything like that, stressful um, current climate that you're living in, you know, these kind of things all incrementally build up and affect your stress levels. So if you're stressed and you notice when you drink caffeine, you get angsty, you know, you mm. get a little irritable, um, bring that back over time slowly. Um, those those are my two things that you absolutely should start with. There are lots of others, but those are the two definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know that when people come on to the YBNB program, one of the things that we, the very first thing we do, and, and often people come for different reasons, you know, some they come because they, they've seen the body shots and they basically want to, uh, you know, recreate their body. They want to get a better looking body um, and all the things that come with that. Um, sometimes though, it's about their business. They just want to get the energy or maybe it's their mindset that don't feel confident. Variety of different reasons, but whatever it is, we always start with the very, the foundation, which is the body. And that starts with, you know, the things you mentioned, sleep, water as well, um, but also what they're eating. We get a baseline and what we find is the vast majority of people just have so many refined carbs, far too many, and they don't have um, anywhere near enough protein. And I always find it interesting because, um, you know, when you think about um, a gram of protein or a, brand, a gram of carbs, it's got the same number of calories in. Um, and people always say to me, you know, oh, I really struggle to get my protein in, can't hit, you know, that target. Um, and yet they have no trouble hitting the, the carb target. What's it? In fact, they have trouble bringing it back down. Um, it's not like um, even sometimes that we're, we're, we're actually getting them to eat more. Um, the fats are okay. I think, the, I think the thing with, with fats is that people often don't realize that they'll eat a whole avocado having no idea, yeah. of, you know, the huge amount of calorific content in it, or, you know, they'll willy-nilly throw some olive oil over something and, you know, every tablespoon of olive oil is about 100 calories. So there's things like that, which is more of an education. I find that people do tend to have healthy fats, but it's the carb protein thing in this yeah. society that we're in, fast moving. Um, it's quite hard to get the proteins in, isn't it? Absolutely. When yeah. people are not used to it, I mean. Yeah, when you're not used to it, exactly. And actually, protein is so satiating and filling. Yeah. Yeah. So you should, if you're hitting that protein intake, your carbohydrate, you should be so full that you, you know, you can't, you have to undo your genes if you're getting in the carbohydrates on top of the good amount of protein. Um, so actually always trying to go, okay, looking at my plate, 
where's my protein come from first? Let's make that the priority here. And then the carbohydrates come second and fruits and veg should always be there regardless. Mm. Um, but doing it that way, so you're filling up with the protein first rather than the carbohydrates, then trying to fit in the protein. You're like, so full, I can't fit in anything more. I'll just leave that part because it's, it. you know, it's easier to do it that way. And I always think as well, you know, to get people to think differently about food and avoid thinking about it, because very often we associate it with entertainment and fun and relaxation and certainty. You know, if you eat something, you're going to feel a certain way or if you drink a glass of wine, you're going to feel a certain way. But trying to sort of try change your habits a bit and realize that food is actually fuel um, and start to sort of think about it much more about you wouldn't put poor quality fuel in your best car um and yet you've got this only this one body um and you know people are pumping down like blue drinks and god knows how many e numbers and they don't even know you know they're eating stuff it, it really is a revelation you know we have people coming on the program 40s 50s and they think wow i've been eating this for years and i just didn't realize the calorie content with sugar because that's the other thing sugar uh is you know is so dangerous and and i don't know what you've got anything to say about sugar actually how people could reduce that because most people have far too much sugar for a healthy diet aren't they even if they don't look unhealthy yeah and you know exactly yeah that's totally right yeah. i think you touched on so many amazing points there so in terms of sugar you know a lot of the time well there was a there was a kind of understanding around if you wanted to lose weight you cut out fat and it's mm. far too simplistic but people thought that and unfortunately what happened is the food companies went okay we're going to cut out fat and then so we're going to replace it with sugar so it's palatable yeah. and unfortunately um sugar a lot of sugar in the diet can lead to accumulated weight um so actually people are eating these low-fat products thinking oh they taste delicious and i can continue eating them and yet they're eating spoons and spoons of sugar um and that it's going to send that blood sugar going all over the place as well as trigger stress um so really interesting one there i think in terms of your sugar intake it can be a complicated journey so as you mentioned before you know people are looking at entertainment or they're um, looking at food in certain ways and particularly in the current climate you know they're looking at they have an emotional perhaps um void or hole that they want to fill and food is the the one consistent we have at the moment you know it's mm. to look forward to um and so you do see sugar kind of intakes going up like this quite drastically but it's difficult because firstly you've got to untie the relationship that you've got with with the certain food group that you're struggling with so if it's sugar you've got to stop and go am i hungry or am i eating for x emotion and if it's that x emotion you've got to find out firstly where that's coming from which is not my, my not my speciality but you know, you've got to find where that's coming from and replace it with something non-food related so something self-care like listening to a podcast calling a friend going for a walk having a herbal tea doesn't sound as enjoyable but breaking that habit formation is really really important when it comes to sugar because it can be difficult um and the second thing is is trying to get a little bit of you know experimentation going on in the kitchen try out these kind of slightly more natural um sort of sugar options or less sweet options so instead of going and buying you know big pack of brownies or giant bar of chocolate bar instead actually do a little bit of batch cooking a little bit of preparing make something that's you know has a little bit of dates in a little bit of honey um because it doesn't have to be an all or nothing for some people it does some people it, they're an all or nothing kind of personality and that works for them but if you actually just kind of make replacements rather than introducing new habits it's far easier to kind of get to your goals rather than trying to introduce lots of new habits which often is why people kind of fall off the bandwagon mm. and i think there's a couple of good psychological things there with sugar as well because um what i was reading was that there's there's, there's about 10 major food companies 
and they create uh, all the, the thousands, the 10,000 or so food brands. And what they realize these 10 companies, roughly 10, um, is that sugar obviously is very addictive. It's very, very addictive. And so why not just put it in everything and then people want to eat it. And they even put sugar in um, cigarettes as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not our fault if we suddenly have been hooked on sugar, but once we recognize it, then, you know, then we really have the option to do something about it. And um, the way that I always tackle that is to say, well, look, you know, it's enjoyable, obviously, to, to eat sugary things if you're, if you're, if you recognize it's an addiction and think about what else is enjoyable. Isn't it enjoyable to really sort of take a view now that I'm going to build my body, no matter where it is, no matter where I am, no matter how old I am, um, now is the time I'm going to turn a new page and I'm actually going to start to take pleasure in building my body now um, into a, a you know a really effective machine and it doesn't take long to start to feel a lot lot better does it absolutely you, you change yeah. you change the way and and I think another thing that I wanted to ask you about is so many um, diets and things that I see advertised and people talk about it's all about what you can't eat and what you mustn't eat and what to cut out and all of that instead of focusing very much on the things that you can have and you know, that are a delight to have. And it doesn't have to be complex green juices and, you know, vinegars, this, that, and the other, does it? It can just be finding some things that give you the nutrients that you really enjoy and yeah. having more of them. And how do you transition people when, they're, when, they, when they want to do something different? Yeah, I think, and I think what you said there is exactly on point. You know, it's also about getting back to kind of natural normal food that you find in the supermarket rather than all of these convenience options and I know it's difficult for people because people time poor they don't have the creativity or the will to do so but just getting back to kind of whole foods is a really great place to start so instead of picking up a brownie or a chocolate bar you know go for the kind of whole food options or make them yourself you're also going to get a lot of joy out of that you um, brand whole foods do you You mean just like the no yeah yeah exactly sorry whole foods. Foods. Yeah, yeah, like yeah real real food yes you can find yeah. in, in a forest or in a farm you know things like that yeah. Yeah. um but in terms of transitioning people so they you know they come to see me and they want to get healthier um how do they how do they do it how do they get over these kind of milestones and one of the things is to say it's not about restriction. Yes, there are some people that I tell you have to, you know, reduce or if they're seeing me for gut health issues, they might have to re remove for a period of time um, certain food groups. But I always highlight these are the wonderful things to bring in. Let's focus on bringing in more oily fish, more eggs, more, you know, wonderfully delicious, colorful fruits and vegetables. It doesn't have to be a green juice it can be roasted butternut squash or roasted celeriac with loads of garlic and olive oil which is absolutely delicious mm. um at the beginning there's often a little bit of a phase where you have to palate cleanse I call in other words where you have to kind of go a bit cold turkey with it all and start again because otherwise if you go from eating I'm not going to name and shame a brand but if you go from eating a high street chocolate bar to then picking up something that is maybe dates with almond butter or a piece of dark chocolate with a nice cup of herbal tea that's not going to do it for you if you're coming straight from here. Mm. So you've got to kind of go a bit cold turkey for a bit and it's difficult. Um, so you have a one week, two week transition normally. And then you kind of start introducing these foods and, and they taste like, you know, fruits end up tasting like candy when you stop having the yeah. foods over here. But there has to be, there has to be a period of time where you work on yourself and, and unravel some of those relationships and also kind of just try to pull away from, from that eating habit you've got into. Yeah. And I, I think as well, um, that people can sort of start as they mean can mean to, to go on, but not you don't have to do a wholesale change. You could say, okay, well, I'm just gonna change my breakfast. So instead of having a sweet, you know, toast and, and marmalade or whatever, and 
I'm going to have um, eggs and broccoli, which would sound strange to a lot of people, but then you have it and then you get used to it, like you get used to anything. We're really such creatures of habit. Um, and you, you get that done and then you think, okay, right, so now I'm used to that. Let me change the snacks that I have instead of having, like you said, you know, a, um, a processed sort of chocolate bar or a biscuit, what I'm going to have is, and you can swap it out for maybe a piece of fruit or yogurt with some berries and, and um, almonds or because you're really going to fancy it then. So if you're really yeah. hungry and then you can swap out your lunch. I mean, I always have for lunch or very often for lunch what I have for dinner. So I always make yeah. more than one lot and then have right. it for lunch. Um, yeah. And there's little tricks, there's lots of little tricks like that. One of the things that I always get asked um, is how, you know, does it matter how many foods you have? Can you have it all in one go? Does it matter if you eat it at the end of the day? Should you really be fasting? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Because I do find that people are just starting, they want to ask a million complicated questions. Um, and my view is, don't worry about that yet. You know, just let get, let's get the basics. But anyway, people do ask that. So what's your thoughts? Yeah. And I think that's that's right. Small incremental changes can make such a huge difference if you just give it a bit of patience. Um, and often people will come to see me and they'll say, you've only told me to change a few things. I thought I was going to have an overhaul of my love. And I was like, if we do an overhaul of your entire diet in two weeks time, you're going to be, you know, binge eating dairy milk and all the rest of it because you didn't mm -hmm. stick to it. So it's much easier that way. Um, but in terms of trying to to get people giving them the information that they want all these kind of questions um and there are lots of them yeah i think you have to kind of guide people that it's it's not an overnight journey it's not a one pill trick or anything like that it's a constant evolution into a healthy lifestyle where you have a healthy relationship with food you know you enjoy cake maybe 20 percent of the time and 80 percent of the time you, you know you eat well and you have the right breakfast you meditate you take you know not too much caffeine things like that mm. and so i'm always about that kind of 80 20 rule Definitely. Um, but in terms of the questions, I mean, it's it's different and an individual with each person. Each one person has their kind of myth that they've learned or read on, you know, a search engine. Um, for example, you can't eat X at dinner, or you know, you can't have, you know, I don't know, you can't have too many eggs because it's going to affect your cholesterol or something like that. Where they've read it on carbs at night and all things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Or do I fast? Don't I fast? And you do see that a lot with all of these dietary principles out there, uh, particularly fasting, which I'm going to be doing a live on tomorrow actually with Bionic. But um, right. the it's it's an interesting field out there. And to be honest, that's what makes my you know profession is that I have these constant questions, so I've got to keep answering them. But um. I'm trying to think, is there one or two that you want me to kind of myth bust? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, maybe, um, can you have carbs at night? Mm. Um, can you have, should, you know, how many times a day should you ideally eat? Yeah, um, they're great questions. To have breakfast or not have breakfast, how about those three? Those are great, okay, yeah. they're very frequent ones. Okay, so the carbs one at night. You can have carbohydrates at night. Um, I always try to get people thinking about what works for their body and what feels good. And this kind of answers all the questions, but you know, some people are breakfast people and they have to have breakfast. Other people like a light dinner. So you've got to find the rhythm that your body works for because just because it works for your colleague, friend, Instagram influencer or person in front of the newspaper doesn't mean it's right for you. You've got to listen to your own body and get a bit intuitive. But in terms of carbohydrates, 
at night. There's nothing wrong with having a bit of carbohydrates, but I do tell people, try not to stick to those ratios. If you're having a quarter of your plate as complex carbohydrates at night, that's totally fine, particularly complex carbohydrates. So there's brown carbs, brown rice, brown pasta, things like that. Totally fine. Um, I do normally say try to eat at least three hours, if not more, before bed so that you actually utilize the energy you get from the carbohydrates. Because if you're having a lot of carbohydrates going straight to bed, you're not utilizing that energy. And carbohydrates are our body's preferred source of fuel. They give us a lot of glucose. So I do say that if there was one meal to reduce your carbohydrates at, not saying eliminate at all, but reduce your carbohydrates, it would be dinner time because in the morning and at lunch, you're utilizing a lot more of that energy mm -hmm. if you're having breakfast. Um, so that's the carbohydrate thing. Um, and I think if you're sticking to those por portions at every meal, which is what I do, nothing wrong. Also, carbohydrates do feed our gut bacteria, which help us produce serotonin, which is our feel-good, happy hormone. So it can help with people who I see a lot of time on these low-carb, no-carb diets. And then they're wondering why they can't sleep or they're low in mood and mm. actually need some carbohydrates to help mm. your gut produce these wonderful neurotransmitters and hormones that contribute to sleep and, and mood. So I'm not pro the no carb thing um, at all. Maybe, so, just, um, just to sort of add on to that there, you know, when you, you have a big meal, um you know what do you want to do you want to sit down and sort of like oh yeah. your body wants to relax or maybe even go to sleep because you know it wants to leave your body to digest and um I always um do say to people look if you want to have carbs at night and it fits within your macros if you're you know following uh, a um a calorie controlled diet and a macro yeah. diet then by always have them because um it's going to make you want to sleep and yeah. uh, as long as you've um you're hitting the macros that you've set and it's a, a good baseline um, I personally, if I've got more carbs to have, so I like, like you said, I like to have them in the day to fuel my workouts and to keep me sort of stable mentally yeah. and switched on energetic, you know, mentally, etc. If I've got some left, I'll have them in a shake, etc. Um, and always end up having a good sleep. But I think, like you said, it's, um, it really is depends on your body clock as well, because if you've, uh, if you really need them in the morning, have them in the morning. Yeah. Absolutely, which kind of like nicely leads on to that. Do you have to have two meals a day or you know, is breakfast important? I'll try and tackle them together. Yeah. The thing with breakfast is it is a little bit of a myth that it prompts your metabolism and all the rest of it. It's dependent on the individual. So some people absolutely cannot skip breakfast. They feel very shaky, their stress levels go up, um, but then there are certain conditions. So if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, trying to conceive, you should be having routine meals. If you're pre-diabetic or you have any sort of hypoglycemia, so where your blood sugar drops very frequently, you've got to have those regular meals, even better, more than three, sometimes mm. five. Um, there are other people who have breakfast and feel really lethargic the whole day and actually do much better in a fasted state for the morning. Um, so again, it might not be the answer you want to hear, yes or a no answer, but actually it's the most valuable answer in that just be your own guinea pig and listen to how your body works. So for me, I know that I've never really been a huge breakfast person. Occasionally I will, um, but there are times where I actually can go without breakfast until sort of 11, 12, if I'm exercising, it's a different kettle of fish, but I can go and I actually feel great. I feel really energetic, really clear thinking. And my two other meals, and I'll probably have a snack as well, are really well balanced. I'm getting in all my nutrients. Um, so again, it kind of answers that. And that's the same with the two, three, two, three meals a day. You know, yeah. um, there is this whole thing. Should we snack and have five intervals or should we have two or three? Um, 
find what fits and makes you feel really good. The one thing I will say is that I do quite like, instead of grazing, there's a difference between grazing and snacking. I don't mind a good snack between lunch and dinner to tide your blood sugar level over so you don't crash and then crave macaroni and cheese. Mm. If you're gonna have you know, some carrots and hummus and then have salmon with brown rice, so much better than having you know that crash. But um, there is a difference and I do see it a lot, people grazing. So every hour that some nuts, some crisps, some carrots, or even if it's healthy, that's not beneficial. And additionally, it can actually put a lot of stress on the digestive system. So I do kind of try to set a three to four hour rule between meals where you kind of let your body really work its magic in digesting and utilizing the food you've had from your last meal. Yeah, and I think as well, it's about knowing what it is that you're actually putting into your mouth because the grazing can be quite dangerous because you know you can keep picking, picking, picking and yeah, I have no idea what nutrients you're putting in. Whereas if you are wanting to get that balance of nutrients and to know what your baseline is because at the end of the day you know with our bank account we count our money we count what's coming in what's coming out we know all the stats For some reason some people have a block about what's your weight what are your macros what are your calories what are you consuming um, but i look at it in exactly the same way you know knowledge is power what gets measured gets done and you know if you are depleted in a certain area if you're overweight if you're underweight if you're not feeling as strong as you want know what's going into your body because at the end of the day it's like petrol in a car yeah. know what goes in um, and adjust accordingly so for me I have like five I eat five times a day I know exactly what I'm going to eat I plan it up front but don't get me wrong I also have cake I also have champagne when I want to or the odd martini not so much now when we're stuck indoors but you know it's all all in moderation really but with a view that you know what's going to do my body the best ultimately I wanted to ask you about supplements if uh, if that's okay because I know that's a real area of expertise for you yeah. and um, and again you know I think my first bit of advice to everybody would get we get the basics right first. Don't worry about supplements because they're all the extras afterwards. The point of eating a bad a bad diet and then not having and then having supplements try and counteract it. I think. Um, but what's your uh, advice on that? Absolutely. So look, as a nutritionist, I am always in most situations there are chronic diseases and concerns that people come to me, and I'm like, there's supplements is the only way we can go with you right yeah. now. I'm food first. So get in your omega-3 from eating oily fish and chia seeds and walnuts, things like that. You know, try and get in your those ratios that I keep going on about with the macros. Colourful fruits and veg, they are nature's multivitamins and they taste delicious. So, and you know, I'm not talking about just chomping on raw ones, you know, make them taste good because that really contributes and makes it easier to get those in. It's a lovely thing to say, yeah. 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 So try that first but there are certain situations where people's needs are higher um you know if they work out a lot if they're on restrictive diets they might have a chronic health concern and they may not be getting enough nutrients from their food because of the quality of the food or a history they might have gut health problems so they're not absorbing their nutrients um which i do see a lot of mm. so in terms of of from that onwards so um, for those of you watching, Andrew and I did meet through a company called Bionic, who I've been working for for two years. And I chose to work with them because they are what I believe is a really incredibly thorough and pinpointed supplement. Because the reason behind it is they take your bloods, you work with a nutritionist, and they give you exactly what your body shows that you need. And for me, there's nothing better than that because you've got the data. You've got data and they're giving you what you need. Whereas a lot of these multivitamins out there are giving you things that you don't even need because you're getting them through, through your diet. Mm. Um, so you've got expensive urine. 
because you're weighing it all out. So this way, I really love it because it's tailored and it gives you, you know, the right kind of things that you need. And I see it across the journey of time with bionic clients because we constantly routinely check their bloods and you see these um, nutrient deficiencies go up and people tell me, oh yeah, my hair's thicker, I'm sleeping a bit better, I'm not as irritable, you know, all of these many, many different um, symptoms that can kind of change and happen, not just physical. Um, and, it's, and it's wonderful. So I am really a fan if you can, to go through personalized supplementation. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I work in my practice in that I don't really like to give people too many supplements unless I've run their bloods or I've run a stool test, for example, because I want to know what's going on in there before yeah. doing more damage than good or just spending lots of money on supplements and you don't need them. Mm -hmm. So having that data is, is really incredible um, and being able to kind of target it like that. But if you're one of these people that you're not really sure where to start, you don't know if you want to definitely jump on the bandwagon of getting the bloods and the supplements, which it is worth checking out. But otherwise, if not, starting with your with your vitamin D is absolutely the number one for me. It's priority over any single nutrient multivitamin with every single person. There isn't a person that's exempt. So making sure you're getting your vitamin D through supplementation between the months of October to April, because as you can see outside, I know we had a wonderful weather this weekend, but you know we just don't get enough vitamin D, especially because we're spending more time indoors, working from home, no travel, and we get vitamin D from sun exposure, which we're not getting at the moment. So start there as a starting point. And then if you're vegan or plant-based, you need to be looking at B vitamins, particularly B12. Um, you should be supplementing if you're vegan or B12. Um, I do eat animal products, um, a little bit fish, things like that, but not a huge amount. And I take, I take B12 um, just because I know my requirement is a little bit high. I exercise a lot, mm. I think I'm a woman. Um, and that's really important B12 part of that kind of iron balance in the body. So those are the two kind of ones I would start if you're not gonna go down the personalized route yeah definitely would you do fish oil as well or... yeah look i think you can get i think you can get omega-3 from your diet um the problem is lots of people don't because omega-3 is found in salmon mackerel anchovy sardines and herring and trout so you're very fishy fish so lots of people are like, oh, don't want to eat that you know yeah. and you've got to have it two times a week to get in a good amount um and good portions and two, two is a minimum that i normally say for people um and then the chia seeds, walnuts, flax seeds, you've got to have a lot. You've got to have four to the five 30 gram portions, which is quite a lot, mm. especially if you're looking at your fat intake. Um, and some people don't like them, don't want to chomp on wall mm. or walnuts. You know, it's not that fun. Maybe for me, because I'm a nutritionist, but for most people, it's not. So that's when omega 3 comes in. If you can't get it in through your diet, it can be fantastic for cognitive function, for cardiovascular health, looking after hormones and mood as well. It's anti inflammatory, so it supports immune system function. So, a good quality fish oil, Bionic Doo Doo One, which is the one that I um, take. I don't know if you take the take the Bionic one or not, but um, Bionic do an amazing fish oil, which really good quality, low mercury, which is a concern for some fish oils because they can accumulate mercury um, in some fish oil supplements. So be aware of that. Or a vegan um, algae algae supplement. Yeah, um, I think there's so many options for vegans now as well, which is, which yeah. is brilliant. You can still get all your protein as a vegan, etc. I think the bionic concept is just fabulous. And as you say, that's how we met. Just a bit of that from my perspective, as I've, I've always been you know, been very keen on one always. The last four years, for sure, been very uh, interested in nutrition. And I've been taking the three that you mentioned, um, you know, uh, and, and that was reflective in the blood. So bionic came along, they take your bloods. And uh, they take it properly as well, six vials of blood, not just a, a finger prick. Um, and then what they do, and what I love about this is you get this sort of bespoke mix 
um, of supplements. They're like little granules and you get told how much to take. And, and on the side of the bottle, you can see, and they give you like two months worth and they then come back and test your blood again. And what you can see on the bottle is that for mine, I had 18 different supplements and to take 18 different supplements, you know, even though I eat a really healthy diet and I eat five times a day and all of that and have green juice, et cetera, you know, um, I wouldn't take 18 supplements. I really wouldn't. Um, three or four is quite enough. Um, so I thought that was brilliant. Actually, we actually had the bionic lady on. So on, on the YBMB program, I always, um, we do coaching calls as well as workouts and things like that with our members. And um, I always have guest speakers on and I had the bionic lady on as well. And uh, we've, we've got uh, um, a, a special sort of offer on YBMB with bionic. So um, I was really so happy with that because I, you know, I only ever, um, and there's no sort of kickback or commission or anything like that to me, but I really do advocate things that I firmly believe in. And I just think such a great um, concept. And also to have someone like yourself, Clarissa, as well, to then sort of, you know, discuss what the results of your bloods are, because it's all very well to have your bloods, that's step one. But then to make sense of it, um, as I say, someone oh, like yeah. you who explains it, it makes such a difference. Because if you're sort of in the red or orange zones in some things, you don't know if that's sort of what, what that means really and whether that's really how important that is. And, you, you know, you're really great at putting context on that. So, um, yeah, fab. you know, and I think we didn't really talk a lot about water, but I mean, I don't know if we maybe should finish off with a bit, if we should be fin finish off with a bit of, about sort of hydration, because, you know, so many people, I always say that we would not think about not showering, for example, or showering in coffee and Coke and, wine and yet we think nothing of doing that to our body not giving it any hydration and then chucking some wine down there and some black coffee etc you know and our poor insides uh, although we can't see them you know they need to be looked after particularly and um, drinking water is so brilliant in terms oh, yeah. of glow it gives you it moves everything so I mean you need to be you know going to the toilet every day and I'm amazed at how many people they just don't yeah. um, and so I know but yeah, that's that's my view on water so I, I try and drink it all the time lots of it but yeah you do what how would you what would you say to people about that yeah I normally say start at 1.5 liters if you can and it's fine if you want to include herbal teas it's fine if you want to flavor it with you know some um, crushed blueberries in the bottom or rosemary or you can get twinings infusions which are just basically herbs which can be quite a nice kind of flavor enhancer if you really find it a struggle but start at 1.5 as a base if you're doing a lot of cardiovascular exercise, you have to increase that because of the sweating. But also don't be fooled that just because it's cold outside that we don't need as much water because central heating can make you really dehydrated. So we need to make sure that we're offsetting that. Now, your diet from your diet, you can get some hydration for your body. So particularly if you're eating half your plate of fruits and vegetables, you're going to get in a good amount of hydration on top of that 1.5 liters. So you're, you're pretty much at the right point if you're doing that and eating half your plate. However, lots of people aren't. And so they're eating a lot of carbohydrates predominantly, which can make you feel very thirsty, sluggish, all the rest of it. And when you eat a lot of carbohydrates, most people don't want to drink water as well because it, it does, it makes you bloat. Um, and so they suddenly stop drinking water, it becomes a routine. And before you know it, they're having maybe one to two glasses of water, lots of coffee and tea, which can make you urinate a lot. Um, so you're losing liquid. And these people can, you know, you lose that kind of glow in your in your face. Their bowel movements are inconsistent. They might be a little bit constipated. They might be a little bit bloated. Um, right through to kind of 
uh, clarity and concentration and, and focus. You know, if you're dehydrated, 20% of the output of your energy production can really begin to slow. And that is going to affect, affect your performance and, and your productivity. So I start at 1.5, um, exercising two and above. Um, but I don't think you need to go above sort of 2.5 to 3 litres, unless you're doing, you know, saunas and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that brings us really nicely around to um, the conclusion, really, that, you know, you're doing, you're doing all of this um, to stay strong and healthy and, and fit and to look great and feel great. But at the end of the day, you want to be an optimal human being. We do only have one body here for one life. And what I think we need to, you know, look after it to be here as long as we possibly can, but healthily, rather than just sort of, you know, substandard because it is amazing when you feel great and it means then that you've got all this energy to not just get through the day but thrive do lots of extra things do lots of new careers make an yeah. impact as much as you can there's so many good reasons to eat you know well um other than just a six pack and to lose a bit of body fat and um uh, that's certainly what i've seen you know if uh, and and also i think the ripple effects it has you know once you start adopting these new healthy habits um, people around you, well, firstly, they see the impacts on you and they want to copy. Um, secondly, you know, if, you, if you're cooking, your loved ones, they want to sort of, you know, join in as well. So we advocate this. We talk to people like Clarissa um, and we learn, you know, their knowledge and we implement it in our program. So if you want to hear more, then uh, like I say, you can go on Clarissa's uh, uh, Instagram page and she's got loads and loads of brilliant posts and um talks you know audio and everything else like that that you can listen to and uh, if you want to participate with uh, our program we'll hold you accountable um, and set out all of the things uh, a roadmap really to take you on your uh, health and fitness and business journey then uh, i think there's a link in the in the notes here um clarissa anything else that we've not mentioned that we really should as part of our first talk i'm sure we'll have you on again because <laughs> wealth of knowledge but anything else that you think uh, we should leave people with Oh, that, I mean, I, I don't even know how to, to end that one. I think one of the things I'm really passionate about, maybe this is a bit geeky, but, you know, for me, all disease begins in the gut. And if you really are feeling unwell and you've tried eating well, you're drinking, you're managing your stress and you have any sort of chronic complaints, even weight management, even weight management, you've got to look at your gut, look at what you're putting in, look at how you're treating it. Um, that is something I'm so passionate about is what I intend to spend my rest of my career kind of focusing through. Um, so think about looking after your gut. 95% of serotonin, which is our feel good, happy hormones created in the gut. Mm. So everything we do to our gut looks after our mood and 70% of the immune systems in there. So, I mean, those two things alone, hopefully can make people think about looking after their gut, eating lots of colorful fruits and veg, drinking water to make sure you're going to the toilet. Um, and yeah, check me out on Instagram because I do share lots of gut health tips and tricks. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, you, I think as you were talking there, that old saying, you are what you eat came to mind. And you know, these uh, things are old sayings because generally speaking, they're true. So yeah. uh, you know what I like, you are what you absorb. You so are, absolutely. The gut, gut's got to yeah. be good enough to absorb all those wonderful things yeah. you're putting in. Yeah, very much so. All right, <laughs> we'll talk about that again. And thank you so much, Clarissa. Really appreciate those tips and uh, have a lovely day. Thank you for having me. Really yeah. lovely to chat.